I was an engineer and in 2008 lost my job due to the economic collapse. Jobs were scarce. I didn't know where to turn to get help updating my resume. Online services and coaches charge hundreds, even thousands of dollars. I took matters into my own hands and learned how to craft interview-winning resumes. Shortly later, I landed a job with a Fortune 500 company. I have helped many achieve similar success. Now I share my tips to create interview-winning resumes, interviewing excellence, and high-performance growth strategies on my podcast, Career Growth Made Easy. Hey there, it's Craig Ansell. Welcome back to the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. I'll be your host as we go into episode 110, Prevention versus Damage Control. Today, we're going to talk about two main areas, firefighters versus fire preventers, and self-quality control, also known as do-it-yourself quality control. I think we'll tackle the second one first. Sometimes, when you're so close to a project or to a task at hand, you can't see through the flaws. Sometimes, when you're so close, you just can't see the mistakes. I'm thinking back to a past life I had as a design engineer and reviewing some of the products that I designed and developed for quality control. There were processes and ways that I wanted my software and my firmware to work both on the computer and on my handheld programmers and diagnostic equipment. And as I went through some of the test processes, expecting them to work a certain way, I sometimes, I guess, would mentally overlook the fact that even though the tool or the screen didn't do exactly what I wanted or say what I wanted, state what I wanted on the screen, it seemed to satisfy the quality control check. Meaning, we kind of see things the way we want them, the way we expect to see them. So, I challenged myself there to get some help from some peers and also to talk about creating a quality control department, a department that would be independent of the group that was doing the design work. For a smaller company, that's a big move, and it's also the right move. Or, if not creating a department, at least have someone separately test out your products for peer checks, quality control, spelling, typos, grammar, as well as functional flow. Try to basically break the projects, right? Break the tools, break the programmers, see what you can do. What if you press all the buttons at one time? What if the screen says press yes or no to continue and you press another key besides that? Well, I don't want to get off into the details there. But thinking about it, that self-quality control or do-it-yourself quality control, that got me thinking. What about our human psychology? Do we have trouble perceiving misspelled words or misplaced words? That goes back down to the quality control aspect. So I did a little bit of research, and I found out that one study by an Indian Institute of Science has shown that when people were given a short document to read over, but the document intentionally had misspelled words, typos, incorrect grammar, the study found that the participants only caught a limited percentage of the errors on the paperwork. And I think that's because our brains have an autocorrecting mode. I'll put a link to that study in the show notes. 
To tell you a little bit more about it and this quality control, or self-quality control rather, researchers tested a method, what they called odd letter out, and they did this within a group of letters displayed on a screen, or it could be printed out on paper. There's also a second name for this type of test, and it's called the distractor method. To envision this, think about it. Set up an example where you have, you're displaying on a screen or sheet of paper, all the same letters except for one. Now they're randomly spaced out all over the paper. Let's say they're all the letter M, but one of them in some random location is a W. They looked at how long it took people to identify if there was an error on the paper, and if so, where that error was located. It sounds easy. It's not so hard with single characters because it's kind of a little easier with the spacing, the white spacing as I talk about, to be able to see that single character error. But what if there's multiple character errors on that page? What if they went to two, three, or four-letter words? Or even if they weren't words, but four-letter combinations, and only one or two of the four-letter combinations had typos in them, intentional typos or misspellings. That's where we started to see a pattern through this research where people had more difficulty with more complex or lengthier uh, word combinations, letter combinations, should I say, identifying the errors. Now, thinking about it from a different viewpoint, this approach I'm talking about even applies when we're interviewing and trying to see things from other people's viewpoints. Sometimes it's difficult to take criticism on feedback, especially if we don't agree with it. I think that's where humility and self-control come in, but really we can talk about that in a future episode. It's really about the ability to not always catch our mistakes. That's really what I'm trying to drive home today. And I, for one, was someone that was affected by that in my past life as a design engineer and electrical engineer, as someone that created hardware and both software and firmware. Software, if I didn't mention, is what's on your computers, your programs, and then firmware is what goes into the little black chips that are on circuit boards. Kind of programs the microcontrollers, the microprocessors, and tells them what to do, what to display on their tools and other devices. But any case... The point is, no one's perfect, especially me. And I just wanted to bring that to our attention about considering the level of quality control that we do. There's a lot of proofreading and things we can do, but no matter what our job is, it's a lot easier to proofread, scan, and check for typos and grammar of others' writings and others' products than it is to do it of our own. Now, I started with the second topic first, but let's bounce back to the first key category here, firefighters versus fire prevention. What's that all about? Many times in larger companies, especially, we get rewarded for being a firefighter. You might be someone that notices a problem with a project or a program, something that's been running or that is about to go into execution, and you catch something that could be absolutely critical to the success of the project. Maybe you stop the company from spending tens, hundreds, 
thousands of dollars or more because you caught something that was, again, a typo in a contract that was being revised, a process that was being implemented manufacturing production, or maybe you're working in service and it's something that's being done incorrectly that could cause damage to a system, possibly the uh, over-tightening of a bolt or the uh, incorrect application of an adhesive or possibly welding material. That's kind of difficult to remove once you apply those things, and it can usually result in destructive methods of removal, which again are costly, as well as schedule impacting. So thinking about it from that viewpoint, firefighters, yes, we need them. I am one of them, and I've been one for quite some time. But to put the spin on it, what would be better? I already gave the hint in the intro. Fire preventers, yes. Those are people that look at the risks of a project up front. What you're trying to do in this situation is not have issues and then work to resolve issues, but the exact opposite. You're actually doing something called risk management. That's where you look at all the possible areas in a project, a task, a program, something that you're working on, an activity, and you say, what could possibly go wrong? And if so, what's the likelihood that it could occur, as well as the level of impact if it occurs? So it's really called a probability and impact matrix is what you use. And you look at each individual area that you're working on and talk about possible issues that could arise. Now, like I said earlier, I used to work in electrical engineering and design. When I did that, I was very close to the product. So sometimes I wouldn't see possible risks or even issues of a project or a program until someone else pointed it out or in some Small cases, a customer would mention that there were challenges working on a product that we designed, and we'd have to bring it back in for troubleshooting and quality control and revision control. I mean, that happens even with large companies and with special projects that are out there in products. We've all heard about recalls even from the large automakers, recalls on stereos, TVs, heck, even... um, Uh, blow dryers. Maybe they get too hot and they can malfunction or possibly short out and cause a fire. So even appliances in our own home are not immune from recalls and product updates, just to give you an idea of how broad this can be. But there's a limited amount of time that you can be a firefighter versus a fire preventer. And I think it's really important as a firefighter, as someone that is doing risk management, to really focus on the key topics at hand. You don't want to spin your wheels, as they say, or be stuck in the mud on something that could possibly be a risk, but it's going to have a very low probability of occurring. And worse yet, if it does happen to occur, kind of like that random throw of the dice and you hit that number, but if it does occur and it's got a very low level, low value of impact to the project, that's really not something you want to focus on. I suggest that we focus on the high probability risks, as well as those that have the highest impact levels, then followed by mid-level down to low. Organizing them in that way, highest probability down, then highest impact down, is the best way to really take a look at things. That can turn us in from firefighters or reactors to being preventers and proactive people. So, In today's show, the biggest things that I wanted to cover were prevention versus damage control. Again, we need both, 
Accidents do happen. Mistakes are made all the time. But really, it's about can we see the mistakes if we're so close, so upfront? Sometimes when you look in a mirror, you just can't see the enemy. And sometimes the enemy is ourselves. Now, I'm not saying any of us are bad people, especially you, my very valuable listener. But I will tell you, I've had to look in the mirror before and kind of laugh at myself, whether it's for a personal home project, an automotive project, or something for a company I'm working for that I just couldn't see, and I was too close to it, kind of oblivious, if you will. Maybe a large percentage of the project or task at hand went really, really well, maybe even received compliments on that project or task or activity. But sometimes those things, those little gremlins can come up and bite you. And those risks can turn into issues. You want to make sure that you look at the opportunity to have peers, family members, friends, co-workers, look at whatever you're producing, if it's a critical document, task, or project, and have others review it for quality, for organization, for typos, bad grammar. Heck, there have been times I've written certain documents for my business, and just the simple misspelling of the wrong word, there, T-H-E-R-E versus T-H-I-E-R. Little things like that. Our brains read it the way we need. One is possessive, and one is not. So, I'm sure you've had issues like that before, and we just a matter of catching them and recognizing them. But again, prevention versus damage control. Now, there's one more thing about prevention and how it affects us versus being in damage control. When most projects are being worked on, the cost, the opportunity cost to make changes early on in a project is much less. Things are usually still in a development phase, they're in a design phase, or maybe even in a theoretical phase, right? What's the likelihood that this project would be useful and be successful if we implemented it? So costs are relatively low to the project. That would mean that the risk for change early and upfront with that project is less and that the cost to execute those changes would be lower as well. But if we take a different spin and look at it once the project is fully executed and it's underway, engineers have been paid Drawings, drafting, schematics have been completed. Potentially thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars or more have been spent. And then changes are recommended or required because they don't meet critical requirements of the project. That's going to be a big problem. That's likely going to cause a schedule impact to something known as critical path, meaning that you're going to push out the end date of the completion of the project. And also, significant amount of costs will be need to go back and be funded additionally and beyond what was expected. Sometimes that funding isn't there. Sometimes you have to take a loss on a project just to complete it so you can get it done. But it's not always done on time. In fact, as the project gets through the development phase and into the manufacturing and execution phase... There are some things that happen, such as something called scope creep. We're all familiar with lack of communication, but there's also lack of clear goals, not knowing what we're attempting to achieve when we're put on a project. Back to the scope creep, though. It sounds a little technical, but basically it's a matter of fixing things in concrete, fixing them so that you don't accept any changes because you've hit a critical point in your project or your process development. 
And so that's really important to understand that terminology with regards to projects. That will help you be more of a risk manager and a preventer than a firefighter. Not allowing scope creep or changes in scope or changes in the design of a project happen during the manufacturing and near the execution phase and completion phase. If it's in the early stages of engineering development, that's where possible changes can occur. But again, the closer you get to the engineering release and design and then into manufacturing, that's where there can be some significant impacts budget-wise and schedule-wise. Now, I know not everybody has experience with project management, but this simple podcast episode can help us in our daily lives too. Thinking about when we tackle a home improvement project, an automotive project, or even working on something over the weekend with family or friends, even if something as simple as moving. That simple thought about prevention versus damage control. No, I'm not being morbid. Doesn't mean something's always going to go wrong or something's going to go negative. But it's just a good idea to sit down even for a few minutes and think about it. How can I be a fire preventer instead of a firefighter? And looking at your sheet you've written down or maybe you've loaded up in your phone of all the potential risks. You might want to ask somebody else, do you see any other concerns we have for this task, this activity that we're going to be doing? Do you think we should get somebody else to peer check this? Now that we've come up with these risks, what's the probability, the likelihood they're going to occur? Also, if it does occur, say you're moving and your four-wheel vehicle gets a flat tire, that's pretty serious, right? That's, um, I don't know, it could be a low to moderate probability depending on the roadways you travel and what kind of foreign objects are in the road. But the impact level would be severe because you would be shut down on your move. And depending on how heavily the vehicle was loaded, you might have to get a special jacking system so that you could replace the tire and not have the vehicle overturn. So during this episode, I talked about a variety of areas with regards to prevention versus damage control. And it was meant just to give you a a broad idea, a broad view of how those terms can apply, firefighter versus preventer, and self-quality control, or as I like to say, do-it-yourself quality control. Maybe it will help you when you have some upcoming projects, programs, tasks. Heck, even you're preparing for an interview or preparing your own resume. You might want to have others peer check you right? Do a mock interview, whatever the case may be. If there's some big report that you're applying for or reporting into, you might want to make sure that you have others' viewpoints as well. Sometimes we can't see past ourselves. I know from personal experience, I missed out on some key details and had to learn some humble pie recovery. Hope today's episode, episode 110, Prevention versus Damage Control, was helpful to you. We would love to hear your feedback on any of our social media channels, at Craig Ansell, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. You can always reach out to me directly, craig at craigansell.com, and visit our website for free content downloads to help you through your day, become a little bit more efficient, and accelerate your career growth both personally and professionally. I am Craig Ansell, your host. We're going to be closing episode 110 of the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. Have a great week. See you next time. Bye-bye.